Jackson. What? Welcome back to Onto the Ball. Travis, the Premier League is back. But I don't know about you, nothing can be more exciting than Friday, certainly for uh, a rival fan perspective or even a Chelsea fan perspective when we've been absolutely gazumped for Moises Caicedo. My God, Friday was right up there. Roller coaster of emotions. I'm still not over it now. I'm absolutely heartbroken <laughs> at what's gone down. Um, the absolute high of Friday morning in the shower, thinking about us solving the CDM position, thinking about spending 110 million, driving to work, sending you and Neil voice notes saying how we're back, we're going to win the league within two to three years. <laughs> Oh, and then by tea time, it all come crashing down. Chelsea were back in. Moises Caicedo didn't want to sign for Liverpool. And oh, I, I don't know about you, but I just cannot believe that we're playing Chelsea on this Super Sunday. It's like it was written in the stars. Um, I just don't know how this game's going to go, but we're here to preview it and see how it's going to go. I've nicknamed it. You know how you can get the El Clasico. Yeah. This is the El Caicedo derby. <laughs> this is the big one. Um, but first of all, how are you, mate? And how much are you enjoying the Premier League being back? Yeah, it's great. Um, I'm good, thank you. Yeah, it's it's been it's been a good start. I mean, been a lot of goals, a lot of incident already. Um, the usual suspects, I like to call them, City, Arsenal, sort of setting the pace at the top. Newcastle got a good victory yesterday as well, so. The teams that you'd expect to win have all won on the opening day. Brighton as well yesterday with a convincing win. So we just need Liverpool and United to back that up. But like I said, it's going to be an interesting day today for Super Sunday. It's mouthwatering. I can't wait for today's game this afternoon. It's going to be brilliant. Uh, a lot of people have been gassing up Aston Villa um, and they got absolutely smashed. That mm. high line was absolutely crazy that I was watching yesterday. I was just screaming at the TV, drop 10 yards. Like, what is going on? Yeah. Obviously, um, Rory Jennings. Is that his yeah. name? Rory Jennings. He's been going in saying that um, Unai Emery is a better manager than Arteta. And a lot of people have tipped Aston Villa to do well this season based on their signings, based on Unai Emery, based on the last 10 games of last season. But um, it was a pretty much a catastrophe. And it... On the same token, no one or hardly anyone was tipping Newcastle to repeat last season's heroics and be in the top four. And now yeah. all of a sudden, after one game, Man City have already won the league and Newcastle <laughs> firmly, firmly in the top four once again. So what that spells for Liverpool, Man United and today's opponents for Liverpool, Chelsea, I don't know. But uh, we're going to find out a lot by 6.30. Um, but listen, we, we've got to talk on this Moises Caicedo thing. It was... It's been an absolute embarrassment for Liverpool. Um, I mean, obviously, I'd love, we've always said we'd love to be like a fly on the wall of a transfer negotiation. You know, what comes first, the chicken or the egg? Do you agree terms with the player first, knowing he wants to come, and then agree a fee with the club? Or you agree a fee with the club first, which gives you the opportunity to speak to the player? Like, it's just been absolutely diabolical from Liverpool's point of view. We must have had um, encouragement 
from the player and his representatives that he wanted to come to Liverpool for us to agree a public fee of £111 million, a British record fee. And then what unravelled after that, Fabrizio Romano is arguing with people all over Twitter. People are saying he's got a Chelsea bias. Um, he's actually a Chelsea fan. He was pictured at Stamford Bridge uh, some four or five years ago. It's all just descending into chaos. But now, apparently, Chelsea have upped their bid. Bearing in mind, apparently, their first bid um, it back in May, I think it was, was £60 million. Now it looks like they're going to pay nearly double that. And you have to look at it, especially with FFP coming into play, you have to look at it like, is this a little bit of gamesmanship, one-upmanship? Todd Bowley and his consortium thinking, we've come this far, I'm not letting anyone get one over on us, we're going to pay whatever it takes, just to spite Liverpool. Um, or do they really value him at 115 or 120 million, which is what's been muted this morning, they've agreed, although there's no official bid yet. But on the other hand, the player... He seems to be driven by his representatives in no small part by obviously they're going to, he's going to be getting upwards of 250 to 300k a week. He's going to be one of Chelsea's top earners. That's Mo Salah money. We're not going to be paying that. So when you think about it, we're not going to be paying that. Will we ever really in for him? Um, but I sent a tweet out yesterday. This echoes the Michael Owen transfer saga when he left Real Madrid in 2005. I don't know if you remember it back then, Trav, nearly 20 years ago. I know you're a bit younger than me. You're you're still a bit of a pup. But back then, he spent one year in Madrid yeah. and he wanted to come home. Or he was out of favour, you could say, at Madrid. He knew he wasn't going to get much game time. So he had options. His heart was set on coming back to Liverpool, but we were only willing to pay around the £8 million we sold him to Real Madrid for. Next minute, Newcastle come in with a double bid double what Liverpool are going to pay. It's 16 million. So obviously Real Madrid accepted that. Michael Owen had two options. He could either dig his heels in and say, I'm only going to Liverpool or I'm staying here. Or he could go to Newcastle. What he done was he obviously buckled. He went to Newcastle. And we all know how that ended up. He didn't have a very good time. And it, you could say Liverpool dodged a bullet because he was still plagued by injuries all through his Newcastle career. Um, but this is kind of like that. With... We offered the higher price. So Moises Caicedo, in theory, if Chelsea were not going to stump up, could either stay at Brighton, where he's burned his bridges, or he could negotiate with Liverpool and try and find a deal, a wage that suits him and his family and his representatives, and it just didn't happen. It seems like he's dug his heels in and said Chelsea or nothing. Luckily for him, it looks like Chelsea are putting up the money, and that's all she wrote for Liverpool. And we continue our search for a CDM. And it's it's obviously got to an embarrassing level now with us obviously selling Fabinho, Henderson, Caicedo's turned us down. We missed out on Jude Bellingham. Enzo Fernandez already went to Chelsea way back in January. Um, we've been left high and dry by FSG. And now, obviously, after thinking Friday morning, I'm going to go and buy loads of replica kits for me and the kids. FSG can stay a stay of execution for at least another 12 <laughs> months. I'm now firmly FSG out again. And you as a Man United fan, you must be absolutely laughing your head off at the goings on of Liverpool Football Club. Yeah, as I said this morning, I, literally, I think, there's not going to be a bigger L this season in terms of the transfer. Like it's, I had a discussion with my mum about it and I think 
my mum's sort of bang on. Like, I think it's um, a little bit of a publicity stunt. And I think the danger for Liverpool is that everybody's gone into sort of self-preservation mode. I think Klopp's come out and said, we've got an agreement with the club, whatever that means. And I think that comment afterwards was very telling. I think he's he's gone on to, I think that suggests to me that there's been no agreement with the player and never has been, but we've still bid the money to try and sort of either not hurry Chelsea up, but is it a ploy from Brighton to get Chelsea to hurry up? Is it like, what was the agenda? But it certainly, to me, it suggests that Kaiseido never wanted to join Liverpool. I don't know what encouragement, I know you said we must have had encouragement to make a, a public bid, but that's not always the case. I mean, with De Jong, we tried to convince De Jong. Um, he's never wanted to leave. He's come out with some quotes today, Frankie De Jong saying that Barcelona is his boyhood club. He supported them as a kid. He wants to stay there for the rest of his life. We literally tried and Barca wanted to sell, um, but he didn't want to go. I think that's the same sort of scenario in in some ways. Like, I don't think Caicedo wants to join Liverpool because he would be doing his medical right now. Like, there's no, there'd be no stumbling block. The fees agreed. If he wanted to join, the personal terms wouldn't have been a problem for you. Like you said, you've got the money, um, but it leaves you in a very precarious situation now. I think the club are just going to turn around and say, oh, well, we tried. Look, we tried to get Caicedo. I don't think they had their heart set on spending 110 million on a player. They've never done it before. You said you couldn't afford Bellingham. It just came at a very, very random point in the transfer window. So yeah, it, it is a bit of a mess from the outside. Obviously, I'm finding elements of it funny, but with my serious head on, I think for Liverpool fans' point of view, you should not have got rid of Fabinho. And I said this two to three weeks ago, you've left yourself in a really, really difficult situation now in terms of a, a defensive midfielder because Lavi has also been linked heavily with Chelsea. No one knows what's happening with him. So yeah, it could be a real struggle for you in the early parts of the season. And that's that's another like embarrassing bit about it. Obviously, if you go on Twitter, and I'm the same, like this sell to buy strategy, it's just so flawed. In all business, you have to take gambles at points. And for Liverpool, that gamble would be to bring in the player that you want, and then you gamble that you'll get some money for some players that are out of favour or that you wouldn't mind moving on coming to the end of their peak or or getting towards 30. And that's just, we've done it the wrong way around. We've got rid of the players and then put all our eggs in the Caicedo basket at the 11th hour. Let's be honest, this all come out like two days before the Chelsea-Liverpool game. Like, what have you been waiting for? We sold Hendo and Fabinho about three, four weeks ago now. They've been made their debuts for their clubs and they're flying yeah. and like the money's in the bank. Um, but more to the point, Liverpool look like they've woke up or FSG have late in the day and realised that if you want to compete, these are the kind of transfer fees you've got to pay, 100 million plus. You're talking Declan Rice, Enzo Fernandez, Jude Bellingham, Caicedo. But what you've also got to do is realise that the wages match these kind of players. So you've got to get used to the fact that if any player comes in for 100 million plus, you're going to be paying in most salary type wages from the off. And yeah. that looks like it's what we haven't done. And that'll be why we've signed the likes of Sabosle. He's come in for 60 million, which is no small fee. But I can guarantee he'll be on something like 120k a week. If he does well, it'll move up to 180. If he does even better, when he's 24, 25, he'll end up on 220 a week, stuff like that. But if you're going to bring in a player like Caicedo with a 10-year plan to utilize him and pay 
the going rate, he's going to come in close to your top earner. Yeah. And that's, for me, that's the reason why we dipped out of Jude Bellingham. Yeah, we probably would have been able to push ourselves to um, pay 89 million, which is what he went for, plus add-ons. But as soon as it was discovered that he would have wanted 300k plus, that's when we ruled ourselves out. So we've been caught with our pants down yet again. And I bet there's regret now within the Liverpool transfer committee, FSG, thinking we should have pushed the boat out for Jude Bellingham. Um, so now they've tried to move their focus onto Caicedo. And it's just, it's been an embarrassment, an embarrassment from day one. But to go into the season with no number six, no CDM, it's it's negligence. It, it's embarrassing. Jurgen Klopp, Obviously, there was a few murmurings that he was considering quitting on Thursday. Obviously, you can't believe everything you read on Twitter, but I hope there was some truth in it. I hope he was thinking, look, I've, I've gone into the summer. I was promised a bit of a rebuild. I've spent 40 million net, as we always do. And this is just untenable. And maybe then they said, right, who do you want then? Caicedo, right, we're going to go all in for him. And it hasn't worked out. But... To go into today, he's going to have the fakest smile on his face um, that he's ever had. He's going to protect the owners, say all the right things, I'm sure. But And the thing is, we might win today because Chelsea are, are by no means back. Do you know what I mean? They've made a few yeah. signings. They've, they've moved a lot out. They're not the finished article. They're nowhere near the finished article. And we might beat them. I hope we do. I can't see it being at Stamford Bridge, but obviously I hope we do. But it'll be a, a short-lived uh, victory. Because this squad is so threadbare. Two to three injuries into September and our season will just crumble. Um, but that's not to say we won't make some signings between now and September the 1st. It could still happen. Lavia is still out there to be bought by anyone. Uh, there's still murmurings about Taram. Um, and the, who's the lad? Ignacio, is it, from Sporting, yeah. the defender? So anything can still happen, but... I don't know. It's I don't I'm not think, looking forward to the season. Klopp, I don't think Jurgen Klopp ever believed that you were going to get Kaiseido. As I've said just in the previous message, when he said, or whatever that means, he just thought, yeah, the club have just tried to fast track a deal with no, like, they, they had no belief that the player genuinely wanted to come to them. They've just put in a bid that would have been accepted. So it looks like on the face of it that the club are trying to get top players. But See, that's that's where I'm sceptical then, Trav. Yeah. Obviously, is this was this a fake bid by FSG to appease yeah. fans? 100%. Do, do you think we were never in for Caicedo? Because this for is the thing, money, like, I know you say... Money, we, bro, like, for that money, if you're, if you're bidding... A British transfer record fee would have been the third highest bid in the world for any player. You have got to be 100% sure that player wants to come to you. Of course, it's a fake, 100% is a fake bid without a shadow of a doubt. They, they, they would have thought, right, let's make it seem like to the fans that we want to spend big bucks, we're trying. Like he's, Klopp said it in himself, like we've really stretched ourselves and stuff. You can see it, it's, it's all protection. Everything that Klopp says is to protect the club. And now it gives him the perfect alibi as well, because obviously if he goes into this season and struggles in the first couple of months, people are going to protect him and say, oh, well, we didn't get him the players that he wanted. And it's well within his rights to say that. Do you know what I mean? They didn't get him the Kaiseida. They didn't get him the holding midfielder. They haven't rebuilt in the way, in the fashion that you should have rebuilt. You've got rid of everyone and bought in a couple of players. Yes, McAllister's prem proven and a top player, but 
you're playing McAllister, Slobberslein, Gappo in a midfield three. Do you know what I mean? That's never going to win you a league. It's not, do you know what I mean? It's not going to win you a big trick. It's not going to... It's Gappo in the DM. <laughs> This is it. Like, it's just never gonna. This, that reminds me of when Brendan Rodgers played Danny Ings at left wing back. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, Jesus, not back to them days. Um, I'm just going to jump into the comments. Dalavals with us. How you doing, mate? Thanks for tuning in. The Caicedo and Lavia derby. Cannot wait. I want to humble and embarrass Chelsea. I'm mm, absolutely yeah. the same, Dalaval, But like I just said five minutes ago, it feels like it'll be a hollow victory. It'll just paper over the cracks. Um but obviously, I want to beat them. The, the, the El Caicedo derby, I want to beat them. Um, get one up on them. And then maybe if Caicedo's not um, signed by then, I'm not saying if we beat them, that'll sway them. All right, they must be the better team I'll sign for Liverpool. But it'd just be lovely to get one over on them. So let's see what happens. I'm really looking forward to the game. True Guna, Josh is in. Josh, how you doing, mate? Thanks for joining. Do you know uh, what? Great win for me? Arsenal yesterday. If It wouldn't surprise me, mate, if... If you can't get the CDM you want, that you just make Trent a permanent midfielder and you go and buy a right back. That that literally might be a solution for him. Like not even not even buy a right back. I was saying to the boys on my Liverpool group chat yesterday, a few of them said it. Gomez to right back, Trent Arnold into CDM. That's to me, that's the only play. And unless I'm mistaken, Klopp hasn't tried that at all in preseason. I thought there might be, you might see um Gomez at right back. I'm not even sure if he's played much. Uh, I've seen him a few second halves with Matip in defence and it was a bit of a mess. Um, but yeah, he played one of the young lads, I think is it Connor Bradley at right back with Trent in midfield and he thought, oh, is this a, um, a sign of things to come? But actual Gomez at right back with Trent in CDM, it, it hasn't been tried, so I can't imagine mm. it's going to get risked today. Hasn't he but... always struggled at right back, Gomez, as well? No, nah, see, that, that, that's a bit of a myth because... I don't think he's ever let us down at right back. Is he not? And if you talk to Liverpool fans, and again, I'm not speaking for all of them, but he's a better right back than he is centre back. So to me, it's a viable option that Klopp yeah. seems reluctant to try, but he might be forced into it if this no CDM, no number six rumbles on in uh, the 1st of September. But, um, but listen... Like we said the other night, the talk has been talked. It's time to walk the walk. It's Super Sunday now. And... You know, it's going to be 11 v 11 at Stamford Bridge. Pochettino's debut in the Chelsea dugout. Obviously, Jurgen Klopp is going to be in the opposite dugout. How do you see the game going? Well, yeah, this the scenario off the field is going to add that extra bit of spice to the game, isn't it? And, and I think it's yeah, going to yeah. be, yeah, it's going to be a brilliant game. Like, I think it will add an, an extra steely determination to Liverpool to go out there and prove it. Like I said, there'll still be a game plan that Liverpool will stick to. I think they'll be quite cautious first 10, 15 minutes. They'll feel Chelsea out, see how Chelsea approach the game. I don't think Chelsea can um, approach it in any other way apart from that fast, high-tempo Pochettino football. And I think with the crowd behind them, they'll look to start the game very quickly. So it's going to be an interesting tussle. As I said, the Onkunku injury is a big blow to Chelsea. So... It's going to be interesting to see what their midfield is going to be made up of because obviously you've got the likes of Conor Gallagher and stuff like that and who's going to start the game. So it'll be interesting to see how Chelsea go in midfield. But I think it, it's going to be the battle of the midfield. I think whoever wins that midfield battle will come out on top. I do fancy Chelsea to nick the game, but I think that Chelsea really need to get Mudrick going down that right, down 
Chelsea's left-hand side because it's it's pretty obvious that Trent's going to invert in the game and leave a lot of space and vacate that space. So Konate is going to have to be on his metal today. But yeah, I expect an exciting sort of game after the first 15 minutes. I expect it to be pretty much end-to-end. Liverpool will give it a right go, I think. Yeah, I'm like I said in the stream the other day, I've tipped Mudrick to be man of the match. Uh, that cues it up for Daniels just popped in the comments. I'm a Chelsea fan. Hope we don't have a repeat for last season. Last season, it was nil-nil in both games, wasn't it, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. Um, two drab affairs, although you should have smashed us at Stamford Bridge. Um, but thanks for tuning in, Daniel. Don't forget to hit the like and subscribe if you're new to the channel. Me and Travis are Liverpool and Man United fans, but we talk about all teams in the Premier League. So, um, yeah, really appreciate you tuning in. Few wins in preseason. Hopefully, that will give Chelsea some much needed confidence that was lost last season. Absolutely. But the thing is, Chelsea, this is a new beginning, obviously, with Pochettino. He is renowned for having his teams hard working, fit as a fiddle, and going on the front foot. So, this is really going to be a little bit different from what Chelsea have had for the last 12, 24 months. So, I'm honestly predicting that Chelsea are going to be flying right up the league compared to last season. And I've actually, I don't know if you wouldn't have tuned into the stream on Tuesday night, Daniel, but I've actually predicted a 3-1 Chelsea win today. Travis predicted 2-1 or 2-0? Yeah, 2-1 Chelsea. 2-1. Although Friday morning, I did want to change that prediction when we were signing Caicedo. (laughs) I And now you want to change it again. <laughs> now, well, I didn't change it, but I would have changed it to probably 2-1 to Liverpool. Um, but yeah. I'm not even sure. I think he would have had to have been signed by midday on Friday to be eligible to play today. Yeah. Which I think was never happening. No, nah, no, nah, yeah. It, the, at the most, he would have been on the bench. I don't think he would have started the game. I'll tell you what, with Chelsea's midfield, I mean, I think it's an exciting time to be a Chelsea fan. They had a rotten year last year with the three managerial changes. They didn't know whether they were coming or going. Players out, players injured. Just, yeah. Who was just, buying all these players when the managers weren't even settled? It was Mate, the morale crazy, wasn't it? was on the floor. I think they finished like close to 10th. Like it literally can't get any worse than last season. They've got an, an exciting manager now who believes in young players and he's prem proven. And I think he'll get the time that, that Chelsea need to sort of rebuild. They've chucked a lot of money at it, a lot of money. So, and you know what the expectation like is like at Stamford Bridge? They expect people to win. Do you know what I mean? So after the first 18 months, two years, then Pochettino will be expected to compete for the biggest trophies, no doubt about that. But I think if Chelsea, it looks like they're going to get Caicedo over the line. But if they get yeah. Lavia over the line as well, and then all oh. of a sudden you've got Lavia, Caicedo and Enzo as two eights, that is going to take some stop in that midfield. It really is. We've like Unkunku in the 10 when he's back fit as well. They are building some team, I'm telling you now. And, and they're, they're going to be dangerous. They're going to be very dangerous if that all clicks. That's the thing. When you put it on paper, I know Sterling's struggling now, but when you put it on paper, Unkunku with Jackson, um, Mudrick one side, Sterling on the right. Like I say, if he could pick up a bit of form, Enzo, Caicedo. Um, Lavia, if they signed him to drop in and out, Chilwell, Reese James, either flank, sorted out the keeper situation with Sanchez more than likely. I'm telling you, don't turn around fast, can't it? I know this is what I'm saying. Don't sleep on Chelsea, mate. 
Daniel, uh, let us know, Daniel, your prediction, score prediction in the comments. Um, he says, as long as we don't get hit with even more injuries, we should stay stay strong. Liverpool, exactly the same, mate. Um, I said earlier in this stream, I don't know when you tuned in, but Liverpool, we're so threadbare, our squad. Um, even if we won today, it'd be papering over the cracks. We get hit with two or three injuries in key areas. Them key areas are obviously midfield, Sabosley, McAllister, centre-backs, Kanate, Van Dijk. It is just game over for us. Probably the only position we can cope with a few injuries is up top. You know, we've got five world-class forwards to fit into three positions, or it might be into four positions. Um, if, like Trav said, we're going to play four of them forwards with Caicedo, uh, sorry, Caicedo. I wish we haven't signed <laughs> him with Sabosley and McAllister. Um, but I'm worried. I'm, I'm really worried. But yeah, let us know your prediction um, for scoreline today. Uh, we've got nine people watching. Really appreciate you all tuning in. Don't forget to smash the like and subscribe if you're new to the channel. But yeah, today, obviously, so much is going to be on that Liverpool front three or front four, what they pick. Obviously, Jot has been flying in preseason, doing really well towards the end of last season. Nunes looks like revitalised. He looks ready to start the season, but he's hotly tipped to be the fifth player out of them five to get a start, which... He must be feeling like it's obviously been well publicized that it was his second season at Benfica where he, he come alive and everyone's saying, oh, yeah, it'll be the same at Liverpool. But for his second season at Liverpool to come alive, he's got to be played. And he's kind of fifth in the pecking order of them front five now. Diaz is going to start on the left. I've got to be honest about that. Salah will be on the right. And then Gakpo, Nunes or Jota in the centre. If he if he does go two pivots in the midfield and has them four forwards, Gakpo is going to be in that front three, absolutely kind of in the Firmino, dipping into the midfield to help out um, with the press from the midfield. That leaves Jota or Nunes up front. Personally, I want Nunes to come good. I really do. I want him to start the season well. I want him to start centrally, not off the left. Um, we've bought him in for big money. So to me... He's got to be given the chance to start. And that that is harsh on Jota because, like I say, Jota ended last season fantastically. He's had a great preseason, bagging goals for fun. Um, but Nunes, for me, is the choice. Travis, privately, now publicly, I've written Nunes off. I said he's going to be a flop. What's your feelings? Do you think he'll be he'll get the, the nod today? And do you think he can really hit the ground running and ignite his LFC career? Not at all. No, I, I don't think he'll get the nod today. No, I think, um, I think, I think today Liverpool are going to try and retain the ball. I think they want something a little bit cuter than than um, what they've been playing pre-season. I know Diaz has got a lot of minutes and he's been getting up to speed. He has looked a little bit rusty, but he's had some long injuries. But I just personally think that Klopp's going to go with. Obviously, Salah is a, is a cert, but I think with the other two forwards, because Chelsea have got pacey fullbacks. Um, I don't think he'll go like for like and put like Diaz against James. I don't think he'll want it to be that kind of battle. I might be wrong because he might think, oh, well, if Chelsea's fullbacks are going to overlap, it will leave the space on the counter-attack. But I just think I can see Gakpo and Jota starting. The reason for that is, is because I think the way Liverpool, if they're going to beat Chelsea today, I don't think it's going to be exploiting like a high line or getting in behind and stuff like that. I think they'll need to retain the ball. They'll need players that can 
can link well and play little one-twos and give and goes and be a bit cuter and then be clinical. Now, I think Gakpo and Jota do give Liverpool that clinical edge. I think when Jack, when um, Diogo Jota's through on goal, you do fancy him to score. He doesn't miss a lot of chances. Yeah, he's ice cold, isn't he? He is ice cold. He's a great finisher. And he was one of those ones that um, I thought could be surplus to requirements in the summer, obviously, with Diaz coming back and stuff. But it looks like um, Jurgen Klopp really trusts Jota um, he's a very honest player. He just gets his head down. He like he enjoys being part of the squad as well. And when he does start games, he doesn't let you down. So, yeah, I think I think Nunes personally is behind Diaz and Jota in the pecking order. I just don't see him getting a start today at all um, for today's game. I think you're right. Obviously, because we haven't got a DM at the minute, and I don't think he's going to try to do anything silly like put Curtis Jones in the number six. He just can't. So, yeah, I think the fact we haven't signed Caicedo, haven't got a DM, I think that cements Gakpo's starting position because he's going to be the one, like we say, that's going to link into the midfield. Um, He's probably the best. If we do try to start with the shape of the three, box three, obviously Kanate, Van Dijk and Robertson in the three, that would leave McAllister and Trent is the two pivot six type position with Sabosle and Gakpo at the front of that box. And then yeah. that will leave Diaz on the left, Jota up front, Salah on the right. Um, but again, like I say, I can see that getting picked off. That might that might be the the winning formula if it was at Anfield today, but it's not. It's at Stamford Bridge. I yeah. just feel like we need to be more compact, definitely at the back, definitely away from home. Trent has got to be seen primarily as a right back or we've got to have a right back and then still have Maybe Trent is the number six, but I just can't see him taking that risk today. It would be absolutely incredible to see him do that. I just can't see it. Um, But we'll just have to watch the game, see what happens. Uh, Daniel says, to be honest, I'm feeling a draw, 1-1 or 2-2. Not sure how Chelsea will play with their current confidence. Yeah, we've said that. A few people said that it it will be 2-2. Personally, I can see goals galore. Like I said earlier, I've tipped Mudrick to be man of the match. I think he'll have a lot of success down that left-hand side, running Kanate ragged if Trent's wandering and we don't play a, a right-back. Um, Liverpool have been leaking goals for fun all preseason, So again, I've got no confidence of keeping a clean sheet. But then with our front four or five players, I can also see a scoring. So it wouldn't surprise me to see a Desmond 2-2, 2-2 draw. I've obviously tipped Chelsea to win 3-1 because I'm feeling a bit down in the dumps at the minute but um, yeah no I can't, I can't see a nil-nil but I wouldn't rule it out being a draw definitely not um, but I do have trust with Pochettino you <laughs> see this is the thing Dan you've got to have trust with him he's been pulled through the mud the last year or two with Lampard with Graham Potter now you've just got two. Yeah, Tommy Tuchel was disposed with, um, even though he's not having such a good time at the minute by Munich. Yeah, yeah, they got absolutely slapped last night. <laughs> the, the the German charity shield, the yeah. German community shield. Harry Kane went there to win a trophy on his first day and uh, they got slapped 3 0, <laughs> which was a joy to watch. Um, but yeah, so Travis, are you sticking with your prediction 2 1? I'm sticking with mine 3 1. I am, yeah. Like, I'm just a little bit worried about Liverpool defensively. I've watched quite a bit of you pre-season and offensively, he's still really good. Salah will always get goals. I fancy Salah to score today. But I just worry about if you are going to invert and play this little box with Trent tucking in, is it going to leave too much space down the sides? And, and with 
Chelsea's sort of power in those wide areas, especially with the fullbacks that they're, they're liking to play now. And with Jackson, if you're going to leave space in the channels, Jackson will run them all day. So that's where I just think I'm a little bit worried for Liverpool. And I think they'll just they'll nick this game 2-1. So yeah, I'm going to stick with my prediction. But it'll be close. That's it. It's locked in. We're, we're a man, men of our word. We're not uh we're not bending the knee for no one since Wednesday, uh, even no. though I nearly did when we nearly signed Caicedo. <laughs> <laughs> Daniel says, I still think it was the stupidest de- decision to sack Tommy Tuchel. He lost a few games and was instantly sacked. Daniel, it was absolutely nuts. That was Todd Bowley that was playing football manager. He bought a football club. He was all excited. He couldn't wait to sign a load of players. He couldn't wait to sack his first manager. He couldn't wait to employer's first manager that will be seen as, as his his sign-in, his idea, his vision. Obviously, he looked at the Premier League, who's the most informed manager at the minute. He looked at Graham Potter. It was a bit like when Liverpool in, employed Roy Hodgson in 2010. Roy Hodgson took Fulham to the UEFA Cup final. Europa League, was it back then? I can't, yeah. I don't know. I can't remember. 2010, a long time ago. But yeah, they looked at uh, Roy Hodgson saying, yeah, he's the informed manager, let's employ him. It just, it doesn't work like that. You might be the informed manager at the minute, um, but sometimes you just get lucky with a load of signings, which Brighton have. Well, it might be luck, might might not be, but Brighton have improved since Graham Potter left. I don't think anyone can dispute that under De Zerbe. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we all know how that worked out with Graham Potter, but to be fair to Graham Potter, he walked into the hornet's nest, didn't he? Apparently, the squad was so big, he was splitting into two sections to try and cope with 40 players and train them, try to get into some sort of shape. He must have been getting told to play certain players at certain times because they cost a certain amount of money. He was stupid ever going there. But to be fair, Trav, we did um, poddy it, didn't we? We said he will not succeed there. And it's just not the right club for him. It's not the right time. He won't have the respect in the dressing room because of his own CV, managing these these egos, these kind of World Cup class players. So, you know, tune in for us if you want to know how signings are going to work out. Uh, we nearly done a poddy on Friday about how the Caicedo signing would work out, but we pulled the plug at the 11th hour, just, <laughs> like, just like Brighton did when they invited offers back from Chelsea, even though they set a deadline that Liverpool met and then went back on their word. So, Brighton, I hope you get relegated this season. (laughs) (laughs) Dad just says, to be fair, I think Potter drew a bad hand coming to Chelsea, but still wasn't great. Absolutely, like we just said, it was was horrendous. It wasn't. He wasn't experienced enough to deal with the situation. And like you said, Potter was sort of flavour of the month, smashing it at Brighton, overachieving. Everybody was in the spotlight. But Chelsea is just such an unforgiving club for an up-and-coming manager. I think Pochettino sort of done it at a little bit of a higher level at Spurs, getting consistent top four finishes with them, getting to a UEFA Champions League final. So I think he'll be able to handle that pressure a lot better than what Potter did. Potter was very inexperienced. He played good football at Brighton. But again, it was just very difficult with him with the size of the squad, the transfer fees, the experience of the players. He walked into a mess with players not playing, wanting to leave. And there was just so much to sort when he joined. And he joined at such a difficult time, like early November. The fans still had a little bit of a bee in their bonnet over Tuchel. And then he had to go in and sort of hit the ground running. It was just too much pressure. And not only did he not hit the ground running, 
he actually like underachieved. Like I thought he would do a little bit better than he did. The performances were poor. He was picking crazy lineups that nobody could understand. And he just and formations, wasn't he? He kept yeah. switching formations, three at the back, four yeah. at the back. He buried himself. And like you said, it's he's not recovered from it. I mean, he hasn't got a club um at the moment. He probably needed a break. He's probably enjoying the back payoff he got. <laughs> From, from the owners, so I don't. He'll probably him. be at Liverpool soon when Klopp walks. <laughs> I'm telling you, mate. I've seen stranger things happen, but I'm sure he'll be all right. Um, similar to like when Moyes got sacked at United, he sort of went to Sociedad and sort of rebuilt his career from there. Moyes has gone in at West Ham and not done a bad job at all. I know last season they struggled in the league, but to win a cup for the first time in in a lot in a long time at West Ham would appease the fans a lot. So I'm sure Potter will be back. But yeah, I think Chelsea fans have got a right to be quietly excited about this season. And if they can get a win today with the pending signings of like sort of Caicedo and Lavia, then I think it will go a long way to boosting their season. Top four? Um... I mean, let's 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 take it as first and seconds boxed off. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're in agreement that, aren't we? Man City, mm-hmm. Arsenal, boxed off. So then you got four or five clubs fighting for them last two positions. Newcastle looked sharp. Yeah. Um, although Aston Villa were horrendous yesterday, but Chelsea obviously made signings. They're going to get stronger when they sign Caicedo. Liverpool, to me, they're in the mud. Forget about them. Man United, your team got a lot of ambition. Do you think Liverpool is it, is no, no top four at all? No, no chance. Absolutely no chance. Wow. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't count you out that that deep, to be fair, before balls even kicked. I know you, you make these predictions before balls kicked anyway, but I don't think it's as cut and dry as you're making about out about Liverpool not getting top four. I don't think it's a cert. Like you've added a couple, like you said, you got rid of a lot that you needed to get rid of. But like you said, this CDM thing is a problem. Um but if you can sort that out before the end of the window, I still think you've got every chance. I think this is going to be the most difficult top four race in a long time. Um, I know Villa got slapped yesterday, but if they get their act together and go on a little bit of a run, I'm not saying they're definite. They're an outside chance for the top four. I don't think Spurs look strong enough at all, especially losing Harry Kane now. I think they're going to find yeah, this. Forget, yeah, forget, yeah. I yeah, think you I mean, can forget Spurs. I didn't even mention them then in the top. Yeah. But United, <laughs> I forgot about them. United, Liverpool, Chelsea, Villa, Newcastle, any five of them with Villa being outside, any four of them teams, United, Newcastle, Liverpool and Chelsea, they can get, any four of them can get them last two spots without a shadow of a doubt, any four of them. And all it takes is a couple of those teams to really underachieve. I mean, United, we've made some good progress i'm expecting good things from united this year but you just don't know it could hoyland might not hit the ground running or he might really struggle we might not have a forward again and a couple of injuries all of a sudden we struggle and you just don't know what's going to happen but i do fancy united to be in the top four i do see that's it you've just hit the nail on head that's why i'm counting liverpool out of the top four two or three injuries and like i mentioned earlier in the stream we just can't cope yeah them injuries to midfield or center backs if you said look scott i guarantee you your main 13, 14, 15 players will be fit for the majority of the season. I'd say, yeah, top four, there's a chance. Obviously, as long as Klopp doesn't do nothing silly and try to win the Europa League, he's got to play all the deadwood in the Europa League all the way through. I want Personally, I want to go out of the Europa League as fast as I can. 
So if we could just concentrate on the league, that there, there is a chance. But our squad is just so threadbare. We've got the smallest squad in the Premier League. If yeah. you look on transfer market, we've got, I think it's 22 kind of recognised first teamers. Arsenal have got like 36, nearly twice the size of us. So if you look at the depth that they've got, um, but also look at all the players we've released or sold this summer. This was supposed to be a rebuild to strengthen, yeah. to, to back Klopp. The squad is weaker. It's smaller and it's weaker. Obviously, McAllister and Sabosley have got a lot to prove. Hopefully, they start today with a bang, but they're just not going to be enough. The squad is just so threadbare thin that two or three injuries, I cannot see us sustaining over a season, steering clear of injuries. Every club has two, three, four, five injuries. Players missing two or three months. And you've got to remember, we've got players like Kanate always gets injured. Tiago always gets injured. Yeah. Joe Gomez always gets injured. We've got so many players that that love picking up an injury. Curtis Jones is always injured. You know, these are not like hardened players that play 38 games every season, like Jeannie Wijnaldum used to, like Mo Salah does, like Sadio Mane does. These are like injury-prone players we're going into the season with. So if anything, it, that needed addressed as much as the quality side. I don't um, see the point, though, in not trying to win the Europa League if you don't think you're going to get top four. Because you don't think you're going to win the league. You don't think you're going to get in the top four. But if you win the Europa League, you get in the Champions League. So for me, if you don't think your squad's ready to compete in the league, why not try and win the Europa League? Like oh, that, I don't know. I don't, That's a lot, isn't I know, it? I know what you're saying, though, in terms of like the embarrassment and the pride thing. Like Europa League's just dead. Like everyone just thinks it's second rate and it's like an embarrassing competition to be in in regards to the to the UEFA Champions League but if you're in it I'm not saying play your first team if you've got a game Sunday in the league do you know what I mean leagues you bread and butter but what I'm saying is is that the further into the competition you go I mean it's pretty obvious you're going to qualify in the group without the draw even being made and then all of a sudden you win a couple of games and you're in the quarterfinal I don't see the point in like playing a dead rubber when you can go and win the competition and be in the Champions League guaranteed. You, you don't know. Like you said, if you're going to have a season like you think you're going to have, you might finish fifth or sixth. But then if you win the Europa League, it then turns out to be a really good season. Uh, and it can do that. I can remember Mourinho did that in his first year at United. We finished sixth in the league and he won the Europa League and the EFL Cup. All of a sudden, you've got a couple of trophies in the bag and it, and it can be the catalyst. So I wouldn't right off the Europa League as much as you're saying. I know it's you're not used to being in it and that's what it is. Well, but... to be honest, it, it won't be a decision to make, will it, Trav? Mm. We'll know by January, February if we're floundering, if we're yeah. having another horrendous season. And yeah, then we'll be able to choose to put all our, all our eggs in the basket of the Europa League. So yeah, you're probably right. Yeah. But at the same time, it won't be a choice um, for us to make now. We'll be forced into trying to win the Europa League because it's all gone tits up in the league. And that's what I predict. So, yeah, you, maybe you're right. Maybe we'll try yeah. and win it. Um, but like I say, if we go into January, February, putting all the eggs in the basket of winning the Europa League, uh, if I'm still on this podcast, I'll probably quit by then. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, I don't know what your knowledge is like on googlies and overs and <laughs> and all that. Um I know my but, cricket a bit, mate. I can I can educate <laughs> on that, mate. Uh, Daniel says Spurs after Kane loss. I'm thinking sixth, seventh place. I think that's yeah. a bit lofty, to be honest, Daniel. Um, like we've mentioned, 
Villa are doing well under Unai Emery, made some smart signings. Chelsea are going to be right back up in the mix after the 10th place finish. Um, Brighton, Brighton, Brentford might struggle without Ivan Toney, but Brentford are are always up there. Liverpool, Newcastle, Man U. Yeah. They could easily finish 8th, between 8th and 10th, easily. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Right, lads, I, I'm going to go and make some brunch and Ooh. get ready for the two o'clock game. Is it Spurs at two o'clock? Yeah, Brentford Spurs at Brentford. Oh, nice. That's a nice super Sunday palate cleanser, that is, Trav, for the half four main course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we're going to be back probably about 7 p.m. tonight, Trav. Yeah, yeah. For a, a match reaction. Uh, Daniel, make sure you tune in and let us know how you thought the game went and we're going to discuss what went on in this titanic tussle from half four onwards super sunday el caicedo derby that's what we've called it um so make sure you tune in tune in to us then um we peaked at 10 people watching there so don't remember don't forget to like and subscribe guys and we'll see you on the next stream travis have a great sunday and i'll see you later nice one cheers guys What a headshot! What?